0: Well, good morning, everyone, once again. So glad you could join us online. We're thrilled that you came, and I'm just like, also thankful for the team that came just to help put these services on, and we're thankful for just the quality, awesome people that we have here at this church, so thank you so much, worship team and tech team. Thank you so, so much. And even the camera guys, they're making me look good, like... I really do appreciate that as well. <laughs> awesome. Well, if you got your Bibles, let's get right into it this morning. I'm excited for what God is going to be speaking directly to you today. And how many know, again, God has got a now word in this season. It's always good to know, like, you know, what's what's God saying? What's He doing? And of course, it's always good to, you know, get new insights from the word of God. But what I'm thankful for, again, is that God always has a now word for us. And before we jump into the service, or ju- the message this morning, I also just wanted to even call those that are with us, the, the church itself. We- This past week, we took some time to pray, and uh, we took time this whole entire week from Monday through Friday. We've had prayer services all throughout the week. In fact, we had nine of them. And so, I want to just encourage you again, church, that make sure you come make yourself available to this time of prayer as we are really just doing what we're going to be finding out this morning is we're taking time to seek God's face, to find out, God, what do you want to do? And you know, in order for God to do anything on this earth, how many know He is moved by our faith in Him, and prayer is just an avenue to give God access into our province, into our city, and into our nation. And so I'm, I'm just so thankful for those that came out. Thank you for those that did come out this past week. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't had, had the time to come this yet, This is your week, so make sure you come. We need you. We need your faith. We need your strength that you bring in the Spirit. So come and get your prayer on and watch God move on behalf of the prayers of His saints. And uh, that's just what we're doing, and we're going to continue to do so because this is what we got. This is how we win. This is how we bring in the, the kingdom of God in this season. Amen. All right. So John chapter 17, I want you to turn there again this morning. And I want you to see again, this is the prayer that the Lord prayed just before he went to the cross. And I want to just bring it to your attention again this morning. He says this in verse 14, I have given them, talking about your disciples, his disciples, us, your message. And that is why the unbelieving world hates them. So again, why does the unbelieving world hate you? Because of the message that you carry. How many you know that you are a message carrier? You you possess it. That's what you are. Everything about you, your testimony, what God has done in your and my life, is now a word that God has done for us. It's our testimony. And it's powerful. So of course, we got to share that. we got to let that out. And that's why the unbelieving world hates us, is because of the message that you and I carry. The message we receive from the Lord, the message we heard, about the gospel of Jesus, it's powerful. He says this, their allegiance is no longer to this world because I am not of this world. 15, I am not asking that you remove them from the world, but I ask that you guard their hearts from evil for they no longer belong to this world any more than I do. Your word is truth, he says, so make them holy by the truth. So again, that word holy could also be translated or set apart. So, what sets you and I apart from everything else that we see in the word or in the world is the word of God. The word of God has the power within it to separate you, separate you in your thinking, separate you in your actions, separate you from your speaking compared to what the world thinks, speaks, acts. The word of God, when you get it embedded on the inside of you, you know, the, the scripture says, 2 Corinthians 4, 13, that we having the same spirit of faith, therefore we believe, therefore we speak. There's something different about us and that separates us from the world. And what is it? It's the word of God. So you and I, when we take the word of God, get it down on the inside of us, you start to think different, act different, talk different, because you're from another realm. And that's the whole premise of what this series has been about, is that you and I, we is different people from a totally different realm. Therefore, we ought to act like the realm that we're from. Amen. All right, gotcha. Now, let's look at this this one verse again, particularly, John 17, 14. I want you just to see it in the Message Bible here as well. Jesus said these words, I gave them your word. And the godless world hated them because of it. Because they didn't join the world's ways just as I didn't join the world's ways. And this is the whole premise. I ain't joining the world's ways. You ain't doing it either, right? I know that's not proper English. I'm sure my wife is cringing as I'm saying that. Maybe not. Okay, but I ain't. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to join in the world's ways. Why? Because the world's ways don't work. I'm not going to get involved in their depression. I'm not going to get involved in their lack, in their frustration, in their bitterness, in their hatred. I won't do it because Jesus has called you and I to live from a higher level, from another level. And he revealed it by demonstrating the Father to us and revealing his word to us. So you and I really, we have an invitation to operate from another Realm, and it is amazing that God has called us and invited us and graced us to actually live in it now. So, what I really again had on my heart this last week we talked about joy that my source of joy is from another realm. Well, this morning I also want to just bring this to your attention again today is that our strength comes from another realm, our strength comes from another realm. And I want you to go here in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. I'm excited about this evening, this morning. Whenever you're watching this, I'm excited about it because I know God's going to get some things across to you that's going to stir you up to see him in a different light. And this morning, again, I want to just talk about strength. I mean, oh, we need strength in this time. We're, we're talking about strength from God that is able to keep standing and having done all to stand, you just keep standing. These are commands that you see God telling his people, I need you strong. Be strong and courageous before you possess the land. I mean, oh, God needs a strong church in these last days to not only reveal the kingdom of God, but also to usher in the kingdom of God before Jesus comes to get us back. He's looking for a strong church, and that's our call. This is why we are in this city. This is why you and I are in this province. This is why we are in this nation. You and I, Impact Life Church, you are called of God to be strong in these last days. And it was even prophesied. This was something, I remember as a kid, sitting again in the front row, and we would had a lot of guest ministers come through it, and at one of the particular, this lady just had a word, and she kind of just stopped her service and said, we see this church. This will be a strong end time church and I believe that with all my heart because you and I are part of it the strong church of the Lord Jesus Christ now he says this in Ephesians 6 10 in the amplified he says in conclusion he says be strong in the Lord say with me be strong in the Lord then the amplified again amplifies it he says draw your strength from him and be empowered through your union with him and in the power of his boundless might. Now I want you to know, draw, I want to draw to your attention, look at this again, draw your strength from him. Draw your strength from From him. Again, this is an invitation to receiving from a higher realm. Draw your strength from him. God is not saying be strong in yourself, and he's not saying look to mere mortal human beings to give you strength. He is personally inviting you to get strength from him. That's a great invitation. So, God is simply saying that I want you to get your strength from me. So, what does this look like? Or, how do I get my strength? From the Lord. How do I get it? How do I access it? Listen, it's, it's amazing. We're going to get into this. Now let's go to Isaiah chapter 40. Again, a verse that you may have heard. But I really want you to see it in a different light because well, you know, we need God's strength imparted in us so that we're able to fulfill everything that God has called us to do in order to fulfill your personal mandate that God has given you while you're on this planet, and then collectively as a church, in order to fulfill what God has called us, in order to you know, push this limit, push the final, just to get across the finish line, God needs a strong church, so we need strength. How do I get it? What does it come from? How, what's the source of all this? We know it's God, but how do I tap into it? And in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31 in the Amplified brings it out real clearly here to, to us. He says, but those... Who wait for the Lord. I want you to say that with me. Wait for the Lord. One more time. Wait for the Lord who expect, who look for... And who hope in him shall change and renew their strength and power. They shall lift up their wings and mount up close to God as eagles. Mount up to the sun. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint or become tired. Right here, there is a tremendous result that takes place in the life of those who understand how to wait for God. Wait for God. Not waiting on God. Waiting for him, and that's what we're going to get into a little bit uh, this morning, is how do I wait for him? I'm not waiting on him, because there is a difference. Now, also, when you understand this, and there's tremendous results that come from waiting for God, but at the same time, waiting for God is never wasted time. I know that's something that I can't even get in my own personality. A lot of times I'm looking, going, "Man, I just I need to create something. I need to see something being done. I need to I need I need to need I need need to need to see something." But how many know sometimes just waiting for God is powerful. That's where it all begins. And I want you to see this from the scripture this morning. Again, this you've probably heard this verse in Daniel eleven thirty two, that the people who know their God they will be strong and they will carry out great exploits. Right, that's what the word says. So the people that know their God, not just know about him, but have intimate working knowledge of who God is, it says they will be strong. So you know, we don't have to go, oh God, can you please give me strength? I need strength. I need strength. The Bible doesn't tell us anywhere to pray for it. It tells us those that know their God, the result of knowing God is, you will be strong. It's a characteristic of it because I know who my father is. Therefore, the strength of God, I can partake in it. So that's, that's key and that's vital. And he says you'll carry out great exploits. But Isaiah 40, 31 now actually gives us a key. If you're wanting to see a little bit deeper, if you're wanting to see the notable miracles, if you want to actually see powerful, powerful things happen in your personal life, the key to seeing these things is waiting for God. Waiting for him. This is so crucial, again, in this time in this age. And I want you to, again, put your eyes on this verse, Isaiah 40, verse 31. And let's look at the results again of what waiting for God, what happens to us or what comes to us. Number one is this, renewed strength and power. Renewed strength and power, number one. Then he says, you will mount up as eagles. You will run and not be weary. You will walk and not faint or become tired. So let's just bring this up here for a moment this morning. Is this the difference between waiting for God and waiting on God? Waiting for, if again, you look it up in this verse, Isaiah chapter 40, that you're seeing on your screen, and it says, you know, this is the New Living Translation, but I actually like the way that the Amplified brings it out, because I think in the church world, we've actually said it a little bit differently, I'm just waiting on God. And when you use that term, waiting on God, a lot of times, I don't know about what you think, but for me personally, when I hear waiting on God, it's a passive, I'm just waiting for God to do something. I'm just you know, waiting on God to give me direction or I'm just you know, waiting on God to bring this to pass into my life or I'm just waiting on God for this whole you know, COVID restriction thing to lift. I'm just waiting, I'm just waiting, I'm just waiting. That is not what this tense is saying. This is not what the prophet Isaiah, the spirit of God through him is actually revealing to you. And I, It's not just passively waiting, going, okay, hey God, it'd be great if you did something now. We're kind of tired of this thing. Like This has been a long time. Now let's, let's see there's something happening. He's saying waiting for God is different and the Hebrew word for it is. Kava, it means this it's a binding together. It is to means to expect and to look patiently for. So, this again, waiting for God is action on our part looking for him, looking to bind my heart with his heart. And again, like just what I said before this, this is what we've done all week here at the church is we are taking time looking and waiting for God. We're looking for him. We're getting our hearts entwined with his so that we, the church, can speak out what he's revealing to us. We're not just sitting at church going during this prayer time, okay, God, like, be great to see some things happen in our province now. No, what we are doing is we are actively looking for him. I'm looking for him. What is he saying? What is he revealing? What's the biggest picture that I can grasp? Therefore, I can stand on it. I can speak it. I can confess it. This is what God is looking for for his church in this day and age. It's not just a passive church that will just kind of go, okay, God, let's just, you know, this would be great. Can you do something now? He's looking for someone. He's looking for his family, his church, his army to twine their hearts with his so that now they become one. This is the secret, and we know that from Daniel 11 again, people that know their god they'll be strong and they'll carry out these exploits how how do you carry them out your heart is being entwined this is the key this is the key for you and I moving forward this is the key for you and I actually seeing and fulfilling the mandates god has personally given us it all starts with waiting for god okay now let me just look give you a couple of verses here in psalm 25 I'm going to give you just a couple of these, but I want to encourage you, look through the psalmist. You're going to find a lot of these verses in here, but throughout the psalms, again, you're going to find the psalmist actively looking for God, for answers, for insight, direction, help, and just simply, I want a hungry heart. You're going to find all of that all mixed into these all the the psalms. And so Psalm 25, 3 here in the Amplified, it says this, yes, uh, let none who trust And wait, hopefully... Now notice the wording again. And look for you, be put to shame or disappointed. Notice you don't see anything in there that anybody who just, you know, is waiting on God, they're not going to be disappointed. It's nothing passive. It's nothing you and I just kind of sitting back and looking for it. Those that are looking for Him, they will never be disappointed. That's a promise. Next verse is Psalm 27, 14. He says this, Wait and hope for and expect the Lord. He says, be brave and and of good courage, and let your heart be stout and enduring. Then he says again, yes, wait for and hope for and expect the Lord. If you read all of Psalm 27, near the end of it, he talks about all the trials and the problems that come his way, and he says other translations say, what have I learned in all of this? I have learned this, to wait expectantly on him to wait for him. And we're going to get more in details of what that looks like and what does that mean. But I want you to even get out of your thinking. we got to get it out of our vocabulary. I'm just waiting on God. We're done with that. That mindset is not in the scriptures. What you see is I'm waiting for God, but it's more of an active tense that I'm participating and entwining my heart. The next verse I want you to see is Psalm 37, verse 34. Again, the psalmist says, Wait for And expect the Lord, and keep and heed His way, and He will exalt you to inherit the land. In the end, when the wicked are cut off, you will see it. Now, how is this all beginning? You're waiting for, and you are expecting the Lord. So when I say expecting or when I say, you know, waiting for the Lord, what are we thinking? I don't want you to just kind of go like, I'm just waiting. No, it's an active. It's me engaging my heart and entwining my heart with his. It's me actively pursuing him again. Like we've done this whole week as a church family. When we spent time in prayer, we are actively engaging our heart, actively engaging our soul going, God, what are you saying? What are you wanting to do? And what we're doing is we're actively engaging. And I'll tell you, there's been some powerful words that have came out from people that just had some things in their heart. They shared them out there. And I tell you, God moves on behalf of those words. Now, look at this. Um, I want to give you one other cool verse here. Isaiah 64, 4. And before you read it, I mean, if it pops up on the screen, it's there. But I want you to look at this promise. This is really going to challenge you in your personal time with the Lord. Nobody's going to be able to see this but you. Nobody's going to be able to know this but you. These are one of those private, intimate adjustments that you will make on the inside, but it will yield a tremendous harvest. It'll do wonders for your personal life. So if, all, if you haven't paid attention to anything yet, now's your time to pay attention. Psalm 64 and verse 4, I want you to see it. It comes up on the screen here in the Amplified Bible. It says, For from of old no one has heard. Nor perceived by the ear, nor has the eye seen a God besides you. So let's just stop here for a moment. What is, what is the prophet Isaiah saying? He's saying that again, like you see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, that no eye has seen and no ear has heard, neither has entered into the heart of man all the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Right? You've probably heard that verse. Well, this is where the, Paul took that verse from, and he's quoting it from Isaiah. But I want you to see what Isaiah says in here. Again, no eye has seen, again, natural eye, no natural ear has heard that, that there's a God like you. But I want you to see now, who works and shows himself active on behalf of him who earnestly waits for him. What is God saying? God is saying this that God's prepared some things for those who will wait for Him. Or saying it like this, God has things prepared for the active lookers. There's some things in your and my life, there's some things that God has prepared from before the foundation of the world that you and I are not going to see or understand it unless we are looking for Him. It's not going to just accidentally fall on us and, oh, there's the plan that God has for me. And again, this is not a me sitting back. I'm just waiting for God to open a door, right? I'm just waiting for a window to open somewhere. I'm just looking for my opportunity. It doesn't happen that way. How does it come? It comes from active lookers pursuing God with everything that they've got. And it says, you know, other translations will reveal there's hidden things. And these hidden things that God has, he reveals them to the active lookers. Man, how about you? But that that man, that turns me on. This is what I'm talking about. Man, I'm knowing this that God has some things for me, and where are they gonna be found? In me, pursuing him with everything I've got to entwine my heart, not just passively, okay, God, you know, okay, Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. I guess if this is gonna happen, this will happen. No, no, that's not how God is. You pursue, he reveals. That's what our Father is all about. And again, we're talking about strength in the church. You and I, there's nothing more strong than when people get vision for their life or people grasp vision from what heaven is saying. Man, that's, I'll tell you, that's, that's strength right there. Now, whew, I'm sweating here a little bit. So why does God have to say these things? Again, because in our society, there is a temptation To look to other sources, to look to mankind, look to jobs, look to anything natural as our source. And they were never designed to be that way. Why does God, I mean, continually through the prophets and especially in the Old Testament, you see it in the psalmist that they are actively looking for God. Now, why is it again that God has to consistently tell his people, tell his family, hey, y'all, I need you to continually look for me? Because again, the temptation to look elsewhere is rampant in this day and age. Now, let's look at this. The result now, I want you to see this again in Isaiah chapter 31. But the result of relying on men. And I want to read this couple of verses, Isaiah 31, 1 through 3, from two different translations to you this morning. One from the Amplified and one from the Message Bible. And I really want you to see this because, again, what we live in a culture is we are depending and looking to mankind to meet our needs. And that is not okay in the church. We cannot go that way. We cannot look to mere mortal beings as the source for us when God has called us as Jesus is the cornerstone, Jesus is the head, and we get everything from him, including our joy, like we said last week, and especially today, our strength. Our strength comes from waiting for him. Man, if you're feeling burnt out, if you're feeling tired and exhausted about what's all taking place out there, let me encourage you. Your answer is not found in another YouTube clip or not found in, you know, even the restrictions being changed. Although that's wonderful and that's great. My source for strength comes from me entwining my heart, going after God with everything I've got. He brings supernatural strength and peace. That's where it's found and I cannot find it anywhere else. Now... Isaiah 31, verses 1 through 3. I'm going to read it to you in the Amplified first. In verse 1, he says, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help, who rely on horses and trust in chariots, because there are many, and in horsemen, because they are very strong. But they look not to the Holy One of Israel, nor seek and consult the Lord. Verse 2, And yet he is wise and brings calamity, and does not retract his words. He will arise against the house, the whole race of evildoers, and against the helpers of those who work iniquity. Verse 3. Now the Egyptians are men and not God, and their horses are flesh and not spirit. And when the Lord stretches out his hand, both Egypt, who helps, will stumble, and Judah, who is helped, will fall, and they will all perish and be consumed together. Whoa. What is God saying with this? Here's the deal. God is saying this. You who choose human assistance instead of me, you're going to fall along with what you chose. This is what God is laying out. So a question I want to throw out to you this morning is this. When you are in a tough situation, when you are facing problems, when everything seems to be going in the wrong direction, do you consult him first? Do you trust him first? Most of the time... I know this, I'm guilty of this my own self, that I consult God after I've tried my one or two different options or you know, things that I could go down that road, and at the end, they didn't work. So what I do, I think I should pray about this. That's not okay. God is supposed to be numero uno, He wants to be consulted first. And this is all part of waiting for God. Seeking and going after him because again, what's the result? Because again, in those times where I've sought counsel from the outside, again, there's nothing wrong with it. But first and foremost, I need to go to my source because when I'm waiting for God, My strength is renewed. I will run and not get weary. I will walk and not get tired. That comes from him. It doesn't come from anybody else. It comes directly from him. And this is what God is calling his church to again, is I need you back with me. I need you looking, searching for me. I need you waiting for me. Not just waiting on me, waiting for me attentively, coming after me, because again, I got everything that you need, right? Now let me just show you one more time. From the Message Bible, he says this in the Message "...doomed to those who go off to Egypt, thinking that horses can help them, impressed by military mathematics, awed by sheer numbers of chariots and riders, and to the Holy One of Israel, not even a glance, not so much as a prayer to God, still he must be reckoned with, a most wise God who knows what he's doing, he can still call down catastrophe... He's a God who does what he says. He intervenes in the work of those who do wrong, stands up against interfering evildoers. Egyptians are mortal, not God, and their horses are flesh, not spirit. When God gives the signal, helpers and helped alike will fall in a heap and share in the same dirt grave. Man, there it is. So again, let me bring this up to you. Let me ask you, what do you do in a time of trouble, where do you go or who do you look to in a time of lack? Who do you look to in a time of sickness or of pain or in the time of stress? Who do you look to? Because again, the enemy's role and what he's interested in doing is to distract or divert our focus from where we're looking into things that are around us. And I can honestly say there has probably not been another generation like that we're one that we're living in today. We're a world full of distractions and the enemy. He's good at it. He is. He understands distractions. He knows mankind. He's been around for a long time, and he knows how we're our makeup. He knows what makes us stick. And so distraction is the ultimate key what He'll use, and so this is what the enemy's goal is to get you and I distracted off of our source and looking to mere mortals, looking to flesh to fulfill the need that only our source can provide, which is God. Amen. Now, the bottom line to all this is this and no matter what comes my way, I'm not gonna do a thing until I consult God. Come on, let's say that together. I'm not gonna do a thing. Say it with me, real loud, everybody. I'm not gonna do a thing. Until I consult God, I'm not going to move. I'm not going to take a step until I first say, Lord, what should I do in this situation? Lord, what do you see about this? And I'm actively pursuing and I'm engaging my heart with his to hear from him. This often sounds like Matthew 6, That seek ye first the kingdom of God and his ways. And all these things will just be added unto you. But God needs to be first. He needs to be first. Again, in this time that we're in, the season that that we are currently in and about to go into, listen, church, the only source we have is Jesus. He is the source for everything that we need. So our eyes must be fixed and glued on him as that source. Now, lastly, I want to just give you an example of what waiting for the Lord looks like. So I want you to turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 20 for a moment. And we're going to read a couple of verses here and I, because it's so powerful. It's so cool to see. But you see this continuously a lot in the Old Testament. It's a lot of different stories. And it's all about kings or priests or just men or women of God who went after God, who waited for God to give them direction and clarity. I mean, the whole life of David, you can find that. You know, obviously, a couple times he had messed up a few, as we know. But there has been constant times where he searched for God. He waited for God to get an answer. Should I pursue the enemy or or should I wait? And there have been times God said, go, I'm with you. And other times he would say, wait, don't go. So you and I, we can't just go, well, this was what the victory I had last time, so I'm going to just assume this is what he wants me to do again. No. That is not how God operates. There's been times where Jesus, he healed by laying hands on someone. Another time, he would spit in the mud and make mud and put it on the guy's eyes. Sometimes he would command. It's never the same way. So you and I, we have to continuously consult God and wait for him to reveal to us what our step is. Because I don't know about you, but I want to be a man of God that knows him so I'm strong, but also to demonstrate the exploits. I'm interested in that. How did Moses know to part the Red Sea? Waited for God. He, I'm not going to move. Uh, the Pharaoh's behind me. The water's in front of me. I'm not going to just run, run. God, what do I do? Stretch forth. Why, do you, why are you complaining, Moses? Stretch forth your rod apart the sea. And what happened? Split it. Oh, Milton, that's amazing, Moses. No, he waited for God. He got the insight. He got the answers. And this is what God is telling you and I. You want to see those notable miracles? You want to see these powerful things taking place in your life? Wait for him. Let him consult you. Let him give you the answer for what you and I, whether it's a next step or what I need to do. Forget the pressure out here. God, what do you want me to do? Amen. Now... Second Chronicles chapter twenty, and we're going to pick it up in verse twelve. And I'll just give you a little bit of a heads up of what's happening. You know, from one through eleven, you know, at this time there's three different nations that rose up against the nation of Israel, and they're going to attack Jehoshaphat and his kingdom. And at this time, Jehoshaphat he heard about this, and he started just to pray. And he went, "Oh God, like you know, he laid it all out. This is what we didn't cross their land when when you delivered you know Moses and the Israelites through this. We didn't go into their land. We didn't touch them. We didn't harm them in any kind of way." and he says now Lord is this is how we're going to get repaid for being and showing kindness and grace towards them and then he says this in verse 12 oh God won't you stop them we are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us and I love these words we do not know what to do but we are looking for you we are looking for you to help again I love this in verse 13 let's just read a couple of these verses together And verse 13, he says, As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives, and children. Now, that right there is a part of waiting. And you see this again in the previous verses that Jehoshaphat called a fast in all of Judah and all of Jerusalem, that people were just to come and search for God. That's powerful. This is, a, this is a national crisis when you got three enemies coming after you and are ready to wipe everybody out. These people stopped and they went to God. God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Not about you. There's things in my life I don't know what to do, but God, I'm thankful that my eyes are going to be fixed on you. What do I do? And so all I love that verse in 13, that all the wives, the husbands, the little children all came to stand before the presence of the Lord. It's amazing. So I want you to see they're not just kind of doing that and you're not going to just stand in there doing this. Like this is is coming their way. They're about to be killed if something doesn't happen. But I want you just to see the posture, the heart of their attitude, just going, Lord, we don't know what to do. But God, you are our source. You are our God. But our eyes are fixed on you. And all the family stood there in the Lord's presence. And I could just see it just being a quiet hush amongst them. Just a a holy moment. Everybody just standing there before the Lord. And then verse 14, it says this. While everyone's standing there, it says, The Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel. Verse 15, he said, Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. I mean, God is just giving them the game plan. Here it all is. Verse 17. Now notice this. But you will not need even to fight. Take your positions. Then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Man, I love that. And then i notice again what happened after they heard this word. Now, before, before I read verse 18, all these verses, 17, 16, 15, all of that, how, how, could, how could the Spirit of the Lord come upon somebody and declare the game plan of the enemy and tell Israel, this is what you're going to do. National crisis is coming your way. National crisis averted. How did we get to that point where we can see this and go, whoo, man, this is powerful. This is exciting. We read this and we go, "Woo, that's what I'm talking about. God is for me. Man, who knows any Come against me. What preceded all of that is a group of people, the nation of Israel and Judah, standing before the Lord, searching for him. They went after him. God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are fixed on you. And because of that, God likes being first. He likes being the first person I go to in any kind of situation. Sickness tries to attack itself into my body. God, this is what's going on. And what happens? He consults me. He reveals the plan and says, hey, this is what we got to do here. He knows. Let him be God. Man, I love that. Then after they heard the game plan, they heard, hey, God is with you. You don't have to fight this battle. It belongs to the Lord. Verse 18, he says, Then King Jehoshaphat, he bowed low with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, and they worshipped the Lord. Then the Levites from the clans of Kohath and uh, Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. Man, I'm sure that place, it just shook the ground that they were standing on. Because could you imagine, tomorrow, if you don't hear from God or something doesn't take place, my family is dead. I'm dead. Everything I know is completely wiped out. Then God reveals the very playbook of the enemy, tells them what valley they're going to be coming in through, and he says, hey, don't even worry about it. You don't even have to fight this thing. Okay. Send the worship team out. Put them out in front. All right? Then in verse 20, here we go. He says, early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm, believe his prophets, and you will succeed. Verse 21, after consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army singing to the Lord and praising Him for His holy splendor. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. Now, I want you just to see this again for a moment. You know this verse. You know how the story ends. But at this time, this is a real-life situation where a complete nation is about to be wiped out, and yet there's so much confidence, so much strength in that nation. Why? Because they waited for God, got his counsel, got his insight, heard the game plan. I mean, it doesn't make sense to us to send out, rather than the big bulky guys ready to stab a few people with their swords and spears, you send out the harps and the lyres and the trumpets and the piano and the guitar and the drum guy out there? That doesn't make sense naturally. But listen, when you consult God and you get wisdom from Him, it doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside. You know what you've heard, and it makes you strong. It makes you confident in what you've heard. And so that's why they boldly sang out, Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. And verse 22, the last verse I want to read to you right now is this. It says, At that very moment... They began to sing and give praise. The Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. And I want to encourage you, take this afternoon, read the rest of that chapter. You're going to find that in verse 23, that these guys just started killing themselves. (laughs) It's amazing what God did. And what happened, Israel went afterwards and collected all the spoil, all the treasures. It took them three days to collect everything that had been left behind all the dead soldiers. God is for you and I. He's with you. He's on your side. But you and I have to give him access. And how do we give him access? I'm waiting for God. So again, waiting for God, what is it? It's not this passive, I'm just hoping something happens soon. Waiting for God is me attentively going after and seeking him out, seeking his heart, getting into his word. Father, I'm coming to you. Just, I I have this request. I have this thing that's coming up against me. Lord, what do you say? And I'm attentively listening. I'm spending time waiting for him to hear what he's going to say to me. And in doing that, the results are very clear that he will renew my strength. No matter this thing's trying to kick my butt, trying to take me out, he will renew my strength. Amen. So this morning, we also wanted to take some time actually to remind you and I of what Jesus has already provided for us. And we're going to receive communion together as a church family. We're going to stand and we're going to receive healing for us, for the whole church. And because we know God has already said some things in his word. Yeah,
1: and I feel like one of the greatest tools he's given us for strength is the gift of remembering. Mm -hmm. And that is part of what communion is for, really, is to remember. Jesus commanded us to. He said, take this bread. This is my body broken for you. Take this wine or this juice. This is my blood poured out for you. And so I want to read to us from Psalm 91 because we're going to remember what Jesus did on the cross. Isaiah 53 tells us that he was beaten so that we could be whole that he was whipped, that the stripes on his back were for our healing. Now, all we have to do, church, is we have to believe that and receive that. And if you've already done that, you need to remember that we're in a season where we need to remember what the body of Jesus did for us, what the blood of Jesus did for us. And you know, the healing that he provided for us, that's for your physical body. That's also for you mentally, emotionally, for healing in your soul. So I'm going to read to us from Psalm 91. This is a psalm about the protection of God, and that is what Jesus has provided. In verse 1, it says, When you sit enthroned under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. All of this psalm starts with the fact that we have to bring ourselves and sit under the shadow of the Most High. That's where the strength is. It says his massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have a spirit of fear, or um, a spirit, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. We don't have to fear a thing. Whether by night or day, demonic danger will not trouble us. Nor will the powers of evil be launched against us. Now hear this in verse 9. When you live your lives within the shadow of God most high, our secret hiding space, we will be shielded. From harm. How then can evil prevail against us or disease infect us? We have literally needed to live and stand on Psalm 91 for this last year in a way that we never have before, believing that we cannot be touched, believing that we cannot be taken out by sickness. Thank you, Lord, that you're, He sends His angels with special orders to protect us wherever we go, defending us from all harm. So right now, I believe you've got your bread or your cracker, your juice with you right there in your living room. We're going to receive communion to remember what Jesus did for us. And we're going we're gonna to eat that bread in remembrance of his body, broken. Man, when I think about that whip going into his flesh, over and over and over, every time you think of it, just think, my healing, my healing, my healing. When we drink the cup and we think about his blood poured out, just think about the freedom. Freedom from our sins, freedom from ourselves, freedom from darkness, freedom from the enemy, freedom because of what the blood of Jesus did. And I encourage you, you can do this at home um, whenever you feel led, but we want to do this this morning here as a church family. And so can you lead us in that? Yeah, you bet.
0: And, you know, we just want to stand with you. We've, We've had... Uh, Again, because of the stance that we have taken as a church, and I know a lot of you have taken personally. So what happens, and we said this before, that any time that, that you take a stand for righteousness, you take a step closer to God, the enemy is not going to just let you go, oh yeah, go ahead, right on in it. He is going to do everything he can to try to steal the word. He's going to try to put any kind of natural, in this case, sickness or disease on people. And we know that. this is, So we've had some amazing testimonies, right, even just this past week of people coming out of sickness and disease where the devil is trying to steal, trying to rob, trying to kill. We know that the greater one lives on the inside, and he's quickening these mortal bodies. Yes. So this this morning, I want which, what Jamie just read, we want to come into agreement with you for the complete health of your physical being, but also like what Jamie just said, the complete well or soul, the sound mind, that your emotions, your will, your thought life be strong and be whole. So this morning, let's just take this. I want you to take this bread and just like what Jamie said, remember the beating that Jesus took. It belongs to you. So right now, as you eat this, receive your healing. Receive a sound mind. Anything that's disturbing you, God says that he gives his beloved rest. If you're having a hard time sleep, just say right now, that time stops right now. I received the sleep. I receive the rest that I need in order to do what I'm supposed to do in my everyday life. So go ahead and let's eat that together. Awesome. And the next part of this too is that we actually can take our... Our juice here. And Jesus said to drink this and remember the covenant that I've established in my blood. It's a done deal. The sickness, what we just took, the healing that's already been provided, it is a finished work. We're not waiting for God to do something. God has already done it. So we just want to take this, and this is sealed in the blood of Jesus. So Father, right now, as we just take this, I lift up every home, every person watching this, and we just come into agreement. Your word says, Lord, that where any two or three of us are are in agreement according to your word, you hear us and you will accomplish it in our lives. So we speak health over you. We speak blessing over you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Now you take this and drink this too.
1: We're so thankful for that. So thankful for who Jesus is. And we just encourage you to remember that throughout the week. Thank you, Lord.